That sounds like a history ch- an old history channel. Next up on the History Channel, Wallace. <laughs> Modern Marvels. <laughs> Wallace. Wallace. And of, of course, the first wallet they show has a gigantic swastika as Hitler's wallet. Oh, it's like God. a damn history <laughs> channel. <laughs> they would, uh, can't find the my nuisance wallet. <laughs> <laughs> the wallets of the of the Luftwaffe. Next on the History <laughs> Channel, the wallets of the Luftwaffe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's really difficult to say. Next on the History Channel, the wallets of the Luftwaffe. <laughs> Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve along with the other Steve. Yeah. And Ryan. Hey, that came across. It was a nice one. Is that um, a Shasta? No, I finished my Shasta. So, uh, is it a second Shasta? I don't, <laughs> I don't know who makes this. I think it's called. I think the company is called Untitled Art, but it's a, it's blue and it tastes like a rocket pop and it's delicious. Uh, that sounds like some some like bodega like corner store. I'm at the checkout line picking up some milk, but I might as well buy this liquor wine. <laughs> I bought them in singles. Is that a good thing? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the can no. is very like artsy fartsy though. Like it's it's a cool looking can. Steve, I, prepare the sensor. We need incense for the invocation. <laughs> yeah. They they legally can't sell them in packs. They have to legally sell them in singles. But wait a minute. Wait, they, wait, wait, wait. You, but I can buy fucking the real silver bullet two eleven. I can buy that in four packs. Yeah, but you know, the, we're not even going to go into what that stuff does. <laughs> You know what's crazy? Those buzz balls. Just, just you call ever see your those? At Wawa, the buzz yeah, balls. I've seen those. Yeah, it's they, like pina colada. Like a pina colada buzz balls. I'm like, what is this, <laughs> dude? That looks like I've some got... shit you you like give to someone like on a holiday. But like, hey, I got you, buddy. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Enjoy the shit. Ah, Sorry, yeah. I missed your your games, champ. But here's a buzz. Ball. <laughs> here's a buzz ball. Your mom said you're too young, but I think nine is. Perfectly fine for a buzz I, ball. I told your mom it's about time to become a man. Yo, in Germany, <laughs> you've been drunk two years ago. It was either this or Malort. Why? 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 No. <laughs> no. It's not Chicago. Ah, Malort. Ah. Speaking of Malort. Oh, is this episode about Malort? Oh, dude, no. This episode no. brought to you by Malort. If you were craving drink at a shoe, Drink Malort. If you're a freshman at the University of Chicago and you want to puke your guts up all night long, drink Malort. Malort, the choice of failures. If if you want to stain some glasses, Malort. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, Speaking of Malort. (laughs) Yes, we're going to be talking about the case of uh, the Somerton Man, or as it's commonly known as the... uh, the Taman Shud case. Oh, that's right. We're doing. The we're what? finishing up our mysterious persons. He oh, is yeah. a he is a a sort of mysterious man that literally um, was found dead on a beach in in Adelaide, Australia. Or I should say, I believe it's probably in Adelaide now, but it was uh, it's southwest of Adelaide at that time. Um, so on December first, nineteen forty-eight. Since then, we've six, had the Adelaide Wars, which has gained territory yeah. for Adelaide. <laughs> the uh, their, their emu conscripts have been uh, 
it's like it's like that plot of like one of the Jurassic Park movies they're gonna make where they were gonna turn like the dinosaurs into like like military weapons, but but they did that for real with with you know all the crazy wildlife in Australia. Oh my god! Just, yeah, you don't just need crocodiles you just need covered emus, in guns. Apparently. Emus, yeah. Emus wearing some he man ass like battle armor. <laughs> Can you imagine an emu wearing a helmet, like charging at you, like kind of like screaming? Do emus do emus scream? They uh, scream. Yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah, they. they yeah. Sh- so can you imagine they just charging at you, screaming, really wearing know, a helmet? I'm assuming they do. <laughs> um, but his body was discovered on Somerton Beach, which was in, uh, near uh, Glenelg, um, about seven miles southwest of Adelaide, South Australia. Uh, South Australia is a state in Australia. Um, if you look at a map of Australia, um, if you look at the southern part where it sort of like curves up, there's like a U. Um, Adelaide is on the the sort of right part of the curve. Hmm. Okay. It's sort of like it sort of has like a Florida like panhandle type curve to it. Adelaide uh, okay. also has a panhandle, a Florida panhandle like history. Because there's a lot of strange shit and like uh, serial killers and things of that nature that happen in Adelaide. I'd have to pull up the names, but I remember uh, the boys at Last Podcast on the Left did a couple shows from Adelaide, mm. and they were like kind of going over some of the stuff that's happened there. Female serial killer out there that was like skinning her victims and things like that. It's not a great place. I was, I was going to say, you know, I'm glad that the women are finally doing it for themselves. <laughs> I mean, the good thing about the female serial killer that was skinning her victims is she was she was mainly killing chickens. So, you know, you got to you got to skin them. If you're going to make the breast so. cutlets, you know. I guess so. Adelaide sounds like a drink. <laughs> There probably is one. It does. It just sounds like, you know, because I grew up in the U.S. where we had, like, PJ-Aide and Lime-Aide. Uh, quote, Adelaide has more serial killers per capita than any other city in Australia. I wonder what does it. Maybe it's the, is it the black mold? I, I don't know, man. Possibly. I don't know. So, he was found lying in the sand across from a uh, crippled children's home. Uh, which was um, on the corner of what was called the the Esplanade um, of of Sopranos fame, Bigfoot uh, <laughs> <Nick> Terrace. <laughs> what is Ralph the only one who can do it? Put Pontecorvo in there. <laughs> um, he was found lying with his uh, back resting against the seawall. Um, his legs uh, extended, his feet crossed. Um, it was believed that he had been sleeping when he died. Yeah, there was a, um, a note in his pocket that said Jenny Sack has a ass the size of a small planet. <laughs> he had a he had an uns, unlit cigarette on on the um, right collar of his coat, um, and when they searched his pockets, they found um, he had a unused second class rail ticket from Adelaide to Henley Beach, um, a bus ticket from the city that may not have been used. Um, a U.S. manufactured uh, aluminum comb, a half-empty packet of juicy fruit chewing gum, an Army Club cigarette packet, uh, which contains seven cigarettes of a different brand, uh, Kensitas, um, and a quarter-full box of Bryant and May matches. 
Juicy Fruit Gum is is S tier gum. I'm saying it. This is the hill I will oh, die yeah, on. Oh yeah, dude, it's it used to be the best. Gum. You know the problem with best Juicy gum. Fruit back in the day was like, you get into one piece and you're like, ah, I might as well just eat the whole pack. You know, eat for a penny and for a pound, man. Yeah, and it takes like you know, fifty seconds tops maybe before that flavor is completely gone. Yeah, but no, there is no food. That, There's it, no food other than cheap chewing gum where the flavor's gone that quickly. You know, even faster than Juicy Stripe or yeah, Juicy Fruit was Fruit Stripe. Nah, Fruit All Stripe though. It, fruit, fruit Stripes juices it. Yeah, Fruit Stripe flavor was gone. In fruit like Stripe six was a government gone. op, dude. Yeah. I'm convinced. <laughs> this is fucking like tabs of LSD. Yeah, like blotter paper on those fucking yeah. gum wrappers. That's what got the Unabomber going. Fruit Stripe gum. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> he had the most unsatisfying pack of this, gum in his life, and then he retired to the woods. He went his anti-technology yeah. manifest. He went to the store and he was like, "What has technology wrought?" And then just decided to become the Unabomber. Then he then he saw that they took away the man-sized wads from Big League Chew, and then he was just like, "Well, if I remember correctly, uh, Ted Kaczynski, right? That guy is not the Unabomber. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's, yep. the, who's the guy who built uh, who uh, bombed the World Trade Center? Who was that? Uh, What's that guy's name? Nobody worth talking was about. That on, honestly, something. It wasn't Sheikh Mohammed. No, no. some guy. No. But anyway, the the main problem he had with the U.S. was they stopped making those turtle pies. You remember those? The are you, hostess. Are you yeah. serious? No. Come oh, on, I was gonna say, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you smoke <laughs> too much weed, dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Imagine that's what it was. Are you fucking serious, dude? He fucking this guy's like, you know, I, I I did a major bombing operation because I ran out of turtle pies, and the deli said they'd no longer manufacture the green oozy goodness. This is this is just the Joe Rogan origin story. Oh, of like when he's just yeah. sitting there and he's just like, yeah, no more turtle pies. <laughs> I gotta do like a set. Rocking back and forth, holding his knees. Oh my god! He's like, God. I've heard that. I've heard that before. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. Well, the problem is we live in the stupidest timeline, so something like that is—it's honestly believable. Yeah, at it's this not, point, man. No, you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we found out that Osama bin Laden had Counter Strike and porn on his computer when he died. So. Well, yeah, I was gonna say he's a fucking weeb. He had anime too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was it was also the family computer too. So uh, listen, I just believe that Osama bin Laden was a fucking weeb, and that's how they, I, they just had one of everything. those weird '90s like family computer setups. Yeah, where, like if he was still alive, he'd be a furry. There, I said it. He's always bitching to his sons <laughs> about like saving shit on the desktop. You know, <laughs> I'll fucking He's trying kill to increase you. the resolution to see the icons bigger. Oh my god. <laughs> I have this one client who does that shit. Like he constantly saves things to the desktop, and like. I took the opportunity to just organize this desktop into folders by file type. And I was like, save your stuff into these folders. <laughs> he brought his computer in like three months later, and the Fucked there were so many fucking icons on the desktop that, like, I used to refer to it as, I can't say his name, but it was his namespace, where, like, it extends outside the right side of the monitor <laughs> into some ether, like, outside the right side of the monitor. It was like, I'll call it Ryan Space, just for, jo- for giggles. It was Ryan Space. <laughs> Oh my god. Alright, so we um, we have a detailed inventory here of this RPG character's belongings. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm sure there was like some some like well dressed like Australian policeman in the forties who has like white gloves on and he's like positioning them all now, Steve, on like a, a tablecloth. How long do you press. think they spent analyzing the fact that the cigarette he was gonna smoke was of a different brand than the one in his pocket? Or was it even it's, deeper it's, than that? Was it a different brand of cigarette in the pack that he had it in his pocket? They probably looked and were just like, 
Huh. Well, we, think about it. Like, that, if you were trying to set it up, like, that he was trying to smoke, maybe you take a cigarette and, like, put it in his... Well, the, the yeah. cigarettes he had in the pack were from a different brand. Like, they were not the brand of the pack? So it was like camel yeah, cigarettes he in a had a, pack. Yeah, he had an army club cigarette packet, and then in the packet were uh, cigarettes oh, that okay. were of the brand uh, Conceitos, See, now, which are I, both British... Uh, Cigarettes. Okay. okay. I would see. I would Occam's razor that because you know every once in a while back in the day when I smoked, especially when I couldn't afford a lot of cigarettes, I would bum some, and sometimes I get the, like a really generous friend who would just hand me like six cigarettes. And if you got a hard pack, I mean, just yeah. save them. They would they just be like, right. "Listen, here's six. Don't ask me again." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leave me the fuck alone for the next six. So hours. maybe that's all it was. You know. He, uh, he asked you- for one more cigarette. Yeah. One cigarette too many. One they cigarette too and they many. left them on the goddamn beach in Adelaide. That's that's when the uh, that's when like the crime documentary goes like black and white. <laughs> where he's like he asks for one cigarette too many. <laughs> Boom. Dun, 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 dun. No. Oh yeah, we were um, doing that last night. That shit gets stuck in your head, so don't even start. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. No, okay. So witnesses uh, had stated that they had seen on the evening of November thirtieth. Which was uh, the 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 night before that they had seen an individual resembling the dead man um, lying on his back in the same place. Okay. Um, a couple. So they saw him around seven p.m. and noted that uh, they saw his extended right arm to its fullest extent and then drop it limply. Hmm. Um, okay. Another couple uh, saw him at seven thirty p.m. or uh, between seven thirty p.m. and eight p.m. Um, during which time the the streetlights had come on, and they had recounted that they did not see him move during the half uh, half an hour um, which he was in view. Um, although they did uh, have the impression that his position had changed. Hmm. Um, although they thought it was odd that he was not reacting to the mosquitoes, um, they had thought it more likely that he was drunk or asleep. Um, so they didn't investigate any further. Okay. Uh, one of the witnesses told the police she observed a man looking down at the sleeping man from the top of the steps that led to the beach. Um, and then they say that as well that the uh, that the body was in the same position when the police viewed it. So eyewitness testimony. Um, in 1959, um, a witness came forward and reported that he and three others had seen a well-dressed man carrying another man on his shoulders along Somerton Park Beach the night before the body was found. 11 years later? Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, these people. All right. I mean, you know, sometimes you're just not, you know, maybe you didn't hear about it back then. Well, imagine well, wait, 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 I can barely remember what happened 11 minutes ago, much less 11 years ago. It was in 1948. Yeah, 48, I mean, you know, that was kind of, I don't know. I don't know if you'd like. You might not like have even heard that there was a guy dead on the beach, right? Possibly. Yeah, but this isn't like it's a huge community, right? Because there's so many serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> is that one of Bob's or is that one of Matilda's? I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 just leave it there. <laughs> um, so, uh, according to the the pathologist that examined uh, the body, um, John Burton Cleland. Um, he said that he had a, a quote-unquote Britisher appearance um, and thought him to be aged about 40 to 45 and that he was in quote-unquote top physical condition. Like, um, you can see a picture of him, so I think it's like 1940s, like top physical condition. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is about my physical condition today. No, what that what that means <laughs> What that means is that his pants were he was wearing his waistline like above his belly button, but but <laughs> but but wait, but you couldn't tell because he was in good shape. So you couldn't see okay. it, you know okay. what I mean? It, was, it just looked he was, okay. He was dressed like uh, Fred from I Love Lucy. Yeah, yeah. I like how they called him a British appearance, even though how do you how can you tell Australia is just like fucking England Part Two? Like, well, I think that's an exaggeration. <laughs> well, but... I think I I think with how he was like his like physical appearance, how he cut his hair and stuff like that, like like you know you can look at somebody who's from Europe and you can kind of tell they're European. Until they talk. No. <laughs> well, you know, he had one of those, you know, blimey in the haircuts, and uh, he's got that European limp. Yeah, he had the Euro limp, <laughs> yeah. which is uh, he's got the Euro lean. It looks like someone yeah. who just had bad you the fish slab and squat, chips. So you got the Euro lean. Yeah, it's like a man who just had bad fish and chips and a pint he of look, bass he ale. Looks like he, he looks like the type of guy that if you asked him for some cheeky Nando's, he'd take you up on it. Yep. Um. So. He's about five foot eleven in height. Um, tall, he had tall. Uh, gray uh, gray hair uh, or gray eyes, uh, fair to ginger uh, colored hair. Whoa, 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 um, whoa, whoa! Gray eyes. Yeah, yeah, like what is he an Anunnaki? <laughs> 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 what the fuck? <laughs> gray. <laughs> he was wearing a silver jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um. I think that's just like a steely blue. Yeah. Um, his it was slightly grayed around the temples. He had broad shoulders and a narrow waist. Um, his hands and nails showed no signs of manual labor. Um, his big and little toes uh, met in a wedge shape, like those of a dancer or someone who wore boots with uh, pointed toes. Um, and he had pronounced high calf muscles, consistent with people um, who regularly wore boots or shoes with high heels or perform ballet. Are these hairdressers or cops? Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, big and little toes met in a wedge. He had excellent hands and nails. He clearly was taking He was in perfect shape. Perfect shape. No split ends. He clearly rinses I, and repeats. I like how you're pretty much saying this pathologist is the guy from Airplane. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he's like long and cylindrical. And he, really, he looked like a big Tylenol. Um... <laughs> He was dressed in a white shirt. He had a red, white, and blue tie. He was wearing brown trousers, socks, and shoes, a brown knitted pullover, um, and fashionable gray and brown double-breasted jacket of reportedly, um, uh, quote-unquote, American tailoring. Uh-oh. Um, all the labels on his clothes had been removed. Um, he had no hat, which was considered unusual well, yeah, for the was, time. He was punk rock, so he was anti-consumerism, yeah. you know, so he took all the labels off his own... His own clothes. I had friends that used he to do like, that in like in, in high school. They would like the buy jeans. And, yes, and they would take all oh the labels god. off of it, so they were anti-consumerist. So edgy. Oh my god. But they still bought it. Just cornball behavior. Um, but and he also didn't have a wallet. Like those hot topic shirts that are like, you laugh at me because I'm different, and I laugh at you because you're all the same. I'm like, bitch, you're wearing a mass-produced okay. T-shirt. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so he's I'm on the outside <laughs> and I'm looking in. <laughs> so he uh he didn't have a wallet. In 1948, how prevalent were wallets? Uh pretty prevalent. I yeah? think women had like quote unquote wallets. Well, I mean women I w- would have like a handbag or something, right? I mean that 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 goes back a long way. But like Yeah, but they would still have but like a man with a wallet in the handbag. 
you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't think having a wallet was that uncommon. I just don't know, you know, I was just, I was just asking. You guys seem to be fucking, you know, goddamn academic historians about wallets, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, if you trace Motherfucking walleteers over here. Listen, if you trace the pocketbook or the wallet, if you will's origins back to 1652 by John G. Pocketbook, um, you can see there's a straight line throughout history. I don't know, that sounds like a questionable Viking name wallets. there, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Next on History's Mysteries, Wallets. <laughs> Just, John G. Pocketbook. That sounds like a history, cha- an old history channel. Next up on the History Channel, wallets. <laughs> Modern marvels, wallets. wallets. And of, of course, the first wallet they show has a gigantic swastika. It's Hitler's wallet. Oh it's like God. goddamn a History Channel. <laughs> they would uh, can't find my nuisance wallet. <laughs> <laughs> the wallets of the of the Luftwaffe. Next on the History <laughs> Channel, the wallets of the Luftwaffe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's really difficult to say. Next on the History Channel, the wallets of the Luftwaffe. <laughs> Alright, that's what we're calling the episode. Wallets, the wallets of, the of the Luftwaffe. Shit, I can't even The wallets of the Luftwaffe. Next on the History. He was uh, clean-shaven and had no identification. Uh, which made the police believe that he had committed suicide. Clean um, shaven, finally, but he was there for like two days, right? But he was there dead. for about a day. Huh, okay. But if he's dead, his facial hair is not going to grow. Is that true? Post-mortem? Yeah. Do you stop growing yeah. facial hair? I thought it continues to grow for a little while. Uh, no, it's because your skin contracts. It's yeah, it's because uh, it contracts. Okay. You dry so while out. your nails don't grow... You guys have been spending too much time in Adelaide. Got all this dead knowledge. <laughs> Fucking necromancers. Um, and then they were unable to match up his dental records with any known person. But at the time, I mean, we didn't really have, like, extensive yeah, dental records. records for, like, 46 people. Yeah, it was, like, 46. <laughs> well, 47 now, because he's dead. That's half the population of Adelaide. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doesn't match anything. Charlie, you were in there for 15 minutes. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll check them all. What did you I do? Checked, oh, I, took I, checked, I checked them all twice. <laughs> Just to be sure. Quit being, quit being such check? a drongo oh, about up. it. I just held the teeth up to the other teeth, and I just looked at it, and they looked different, and just kept on moving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what I did is, is I took a biscuit, and I used the teeth, and I, I <laughs> took a bite out of the biscuit with the teeth using my hands. And I compared the like bite marks, <laughs> and I said, um, this is not John Voight's pencil. Oh my god! All right. The uh, the autopsy was uh, conducted, or and it was found by the pathologists that he believed the death had occurred between around uh, two a.m. on December the first. Um, my mom said nothing good happens after midnight. You know, nothing does. No yeah, my dad would say that too. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's a pretty universal saying, then, huh? Shit, I'd say yeah. that. Goddamn it. Nah, some something good happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. His uh, heart was found to be uh, normal. Um, uh, the to, only problem with it is it wasn't moving. <laughs> to yeah, to quote the beaten. autopsy, the heart was of normal size and normal in every way. Small vessels not commonly observed in the brain were easily discernible with congestion. There was congestion of the, the pharynx and the gullet was covered with whitening of superficial layers of mucus with a patch of ulceration in the middle of it. The stomach was deeply congested. There was congestion in the second half of the. Du- you're saying uh, this guy could have used a Ricola. That's what you're saying. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Say, it's very say con- that sounds very again. congested. Uh, duodenum. 
Duodenum. Oh, uh, uh, duodenum. Yeah, duodenum. Duodenum. Yeah. Um, so the basically the intestines. Yeah. Yeah. There was uh, blood mixed with the food in the stomach, both kidneys were congested, and the liver contained a great excess of blood in its vessels. The spleen was strikingly large, about three times normal size. There was destruction of the center of the liver lobules, revealed under the microscope acute gastritis hemorrhage, extensive congestion of the liver and spleen, and the congestion of the brain. What do they mean by congestion? Just... Like, I think just like full of like fluid. I'm guessing blood in this case. Okay. Um, they they show that his last meal, which was a very like British meal, was a, a pasty that he had eaten three to four hours uh, before his death. Um, but they didn't find any foreign substances in his body. Okay. Um. So the the doctor, uh, the the pathologist, Doctor Dwyer, he concluded. I'm quite convinced the death could not have been natural. The poison I suggested was a barbiturate or a soluble hypnotic. Okay. Um, so, uh, while they do think that he he most likely was poisoned, they did not believe that the pasty had been the sort. Right. Uh, the, the Thank source. God they got they clear the pasty's name there. Jesus Christ. Well, you know, it was Mother Celeste, Mama Celeste pastries. So, listen, you can't listen. A pasty cannot be given a bad name. Down in Australia, that will, the first economy will crash. First Gas stations pasties. will close up overnight. Then it's. I was reading. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was reading about how food prices are going up right now. Do you hear about that? I don't have to hear about. It. I can see it when I go to Publix. I saw like <laughs> something like the uh, four piece at Popeyes is was eight bucks. Now it's thirteen bucks. Shut the fuck up! Are you serious? Yeah, I said, I read that online. I mean, oh, I, I haven't true. been to Popeyes. And it I, must be true. I haven't done any field work yet, but <laughs> I'm fully planning pull, on it. <laughs> we pull the Popeyes app real quick because we live in fucking <laughs> late stage you capitalism. Know what? <laughs> you know what hasn't gone up in price though? Pasties. Yeah. <laughs> Still two for a buck at the gas stations. Oh you can God. always you can always count on them. So working man's meal. Just trying to dedu- I'm trying to deduce here. I want to see how this man died. What if we accidentally figured it out during this podcast? We're not gonna figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> that's that's just like a red dot just immediately appears. <laughs> and how's it feel to be famous? Well, you know, we figured out the uh, Tom and Shoot case uh, while we were drinking shitty beer from Aldi, and uh, <laughs> oof. Um, beer that's only sold in singles. <laughs> <laughs> so they were the the coroner was unable to reach a conclusion as to the man's identity, his cause of death, or whether or not he had been alive on on Somerton Beach on the evening of November thirtieth, um, or that if he was the same man um, that people had seen before, because nobody had gotten a good look at his face. Hmm. Um, the body was embalmed on December tenth, nineteen forty eight. Um, after the police were unable to identify the body. Okay. Um, and then the police said that this was the first uh, first time um, for them that, that ever such action was needed. Yeah, like, it, they never had to do this before, basically. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there were a lot of cold case files in uh, Adelaide <laughs> at that time. Yeah. <laughs> until the, serial, until the, the swinging 60s serial killer boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Swinging 60s and the slashing 70s. Um, on January 14th, 1949, um, uh, the staff at, a, at a, a, a railway station in Adelaide um, discovered a brown suitcase with its label removed. Um, it had been checked into the uh, the station cloakroom um, after 11 a.m. on November 30th, 1948. 
Um, it, it was believed that the suitcase had been owned by the man that was found on Somerton Beach. Um, and in it were a, uh, a red-checked uh, dressing gown, um, a, seven, uh, a size 7 red felt pair of slippers, Ooh, uh, four, four pairs of underpants, uh, pajamas, shaving items, a light brown pair of trousers with sand in the cuffs, an electrician's mm-hmm. screwdriver, a table knife cut down into a short, sharp instrument, a pair of scissors with sharpened points, a small square of zinc thought to have been used as a protective sheath for the knife and scissors, um, and a stenciling brush as used by third officers on merchant uh, ships for stenciling cargo. Can we please go back to the scissors with sharpened points? Isn't that what scissors are? Sharpened points? Well, I think a lot of scissors have like a dull point or or like a um, or like a rounded point. Okay. All I know is every pair of scissors in my house right now I could stab somebody with as well as do arts and crafts. Like they're definitely sharp. Unless he sharpened them more. I think that's that's what they're getting at too that they had been uh, sharpened. Okay. Because I also don't get the table knife cut down into a short, sharp instrument. Well, you know, he cut a larger knife into a smaller knife. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like like Homer's uh, uh, chili spoon. Oh, my God. Uh, there was also a... Um, there was knife, also- right? And we're going to make it a smaller knife. You're going to make two knives? Nah, just one smaller knife. <laughs> <laughs> but you got enough material for two. Nah! Just one small. Well, you know, back then you didn't have the internet, so you had to keep yourself occupied. So you yeah. just, you know, <laughs> yeah. So you took a perfectly good knife and you said, "Can I make this into a smaller, less, less useful knife? Smaller, yeah. shittier knife? Yeah. You bet we can. Yep. We have from Australia, from Adelaide. But it had to, but it had to <laughs> hey. look good. You know, it had to be presentable because it was going to get had judged. to be functional. Stop fucking kill them. Stop opening. Uh, stop whittling your knife. And then, like you'd be going down the road, and people would be like, "Hey, did you hear about uh, Phil's knife?" Yeah. No, what happened? It's tiny. <laughs> what? Well, it How was tiny? it was big, and now it's small. <laughs> but he had a big knife. I saw his big knife. Well, you know, these things, you live in Adelaide, there's nothing to do. <laughs> so he made the big knife small, eh? All right. That's right. <laughs> hey, Gus. Um, Sorry, Must have ahead. been bored, then. Go ahead. <laughs> the, uh, he had a, um, the, the suitcase, there was a thread card of a of a orange wax thread of an unusual type not commonly found in Australia or not available in the Australian market um, from the Berber, um, the Barber uh, Company. Um, and it was used, um, and it was found to be the same type of thread that was used to repair the lining in the pocket of the trousers that the man was wearing. So huh. this dude is clearly not from Australia. Tinker Taylor, soldier spy. Um... All the identification uh, marks on the clothes have been removed, but police found the name uh, T. Keen on a tie, um, Keen written on a laundry bag, um, and Keen, um, the the first two Keens had an E on the end. The, the third Keen, which didn't have an E, was on a singlet, um, along with three dry, uh, three dry cleaning marks, um, which were the numbers uh, 1171, um, Backslash seven. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, I'll slow down. I want to write. I got, I got to play the lottery tomorrow. So, <laughs> Powerball's up. And the next number is Taman Shoot. Yo, listen, totally off topic, but I learned tonight that you can buy a season pass to the Powerball. Yeah, I've heard that before. 
I am disgusted. But whatever. I'm okay with it in Florida because the money goes towards education, so which really is a good thing. But you know, yeah. Um, forty-three ninety-three uh, backslash seven. Okay. And thirty fifty-three backslash seven. Okay. Red set. Um, it's a flat so, even. So they set. believe that whoever uh, whoever removed the the clothing tags either overlooked those three items or purposely left the Keen tags on the clothing. May I suggest uh, that the man's name is T Keen? That's what I, I'm going to lean towards. His name is uh, uh, Timothy Keen. That's what, that's what we're going with. I'm going to go um, with Toe Jam Keen. But they ah, they, they don't um, they the don't beach, believe the man's nickname, name was dude. Keen though. You know. Sorry. Say that again. They don't believe that the man's name was Keen, though, because at the time there was still wartime rationing, um, and so clothing was difficult to acquire, um, and it was... Um, so it, it stands was, to reason that you would write your name on your clothes. Yeah, but you would also remove uh, remove name tags from, from secondhand clothes that you bought. That's, well, that's um, true, yeah. What, what okay. they found was unusual was that there was no uh, spare socks in the suitcase, um, and no correspondence, although... Um, a little classist, the police had found you know? pencils and unused uh, letter stationery. A little class. Maybe, maybe, he, he, just, maybe he had uh, wanted to wear some Sperry's. Those are all the yes, socks. No socks. Those are all the socks. <laughs> the socks the world gave him. You know, didn't have any other socks. He would he would wash them in the sink every night, and then he would you know let them dry, and then yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, he uh, there was a search conducted. That's why his name every- was Toe Jam Keem. Because he only had one pair of socks. <laughs> that was the T. We cracked the case, boys. Cracked it open, wide open. There it is. The um, there was no uh, there was nobody of the name T. Keen who was missing um, in any um, English speaking country currently, hmm. um, and they were unable to find um, the dry cleaning company based on the dry cleaning marks um, after doing a nationwide uh, search. Um, all they could find um, from the suitcase was that the uh, the front gusset and feather stitching on the coat found in the case indicated it had been made in the um, United States. Interesting. Um, the coat had not been imported, indicating that he had been in the United States or bought the coat from someone of a similar size who had been. So do they not make products in foreign countries and send them to be sold in other countries in the 40s? Well, there was no there was no indication that it had been like there was no marking of a of like a company that had you know imported it. So, because okay, they have okay. like because they have like VAT and stuff like that and okay like value added taxes and stuff. There was there was nothing to indicate that the coat had been uh, manufactured in the United States or that had been uh, um, imported. But then, what would you see to indicate that it had been imported? I'm not entirely sure, but they they came to that conclusion. So I'm sure there was probably something. Work is what I think that was. I think them just being like, "All hey, right, it's gonna be real hard, so we're just gonna say that uh, it didn't come from the states, Dan." Uh. Hey, he didn't throw me a that Foster's. Coat. That's the end of the day. <laughs> Have some three X. Yeah, go see me, missus. He wouldn't have got poisoned <laughs> if he had that small knife. You know, could defend it himself. Yeah. That he left it. He, he left it. The sm- that's 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 why you need to have your your knife on you when you're in Australia. That's his deadly mistake. Yep. Uh, if the war of the emus has taught me anything, you need something more than a goddamn knife. I mean, if you're in Australia, it's just if you die, it's a mystery automatically, right? Because anything could kill you there. So like, 
you know, can't you can't just say old age because it could have been like you know a flying what's it bug or something like that. You know, <laughs> right? like, remember that? Remember that childhood toy like the the pseudo board game was like Jitterbug or something yeah. like that. You put together the bug. Yeah, those are real, oh <laughs> and they kill you. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> just like. Man. Just like cuts a hole in your skin and just like crawls into your body. Oh no, that's like a bot fly. <laughs> like the nineteen ninety seven classic, the Mummy, like starring yeah. Brendan Fraser. Fucking bot fly. Um, so the police checked incoming train records, um, and they believed that the man had arrived at the Adelaide uh, railway station um, by overnight train from either uh, Melbourne, Sydney, or Port Augusta. A, they don't even know his fucking name, so why are they checking records? And B, what are you going to name the only other three cities in Australia? Of course it's... Well, if someone's missing, (laughs) you go to the most popular destinations, and then you try to find everyone who was traveling and rule all them out. And then the person who you can't rule out might be the person who's missing. You sound like you should be in charge of a lot of financial stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I kind of am. I feel like you could save this company a lot of money. (laughs) The Trilateral Troika Accounting. Shasta stocks are up. (laughs) Shasta's Um, up today. You know, but I've always told you that Shasta's one unpredictable uh, (laughs) investment. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Shasta's up? Oh. Shasta. Um, They speculated that he had showered and shaved at an adjacent city baths. Um, There uh, there was no baths ticket on his body um, before returning to the train station to purchase a ticket uh, for the 10.50 a.m. train to Henley Beach, uh, which he missed. Um, He immediately checked the suitcase at the station uh, cloakroom before leaving the station and catching a city bus uh, to Glen Elk. Um, And the the city baths, as it's mentioned, is not actually a public bathing facility, but was a public uh, swimming pool. Okay. Um, And the uh, railway station did have bathing facilities, which were adjacent to the uh, station cloakroom, which itself was adjacent to the southern exit onto uh, North Terrace. Which was also adjacent to what else? Because that's, um, that's sort of like in the neighborhood that he was in. Okay. I just um, thought be, there would be another adjacency there. So the uh, city baths on uh, King William Street were accessed from the station's northern exit uh, via laneway, um, and there is no uh, record of the station's bathroom facilities being unavailable on the day he arrived. Hmm. So it was weird that he, he went and um, used the city baths instead of um, instead of using the facilities at the train station. Almost like maybe Why there was like a, weird? like a dead drop in it there, was, maybe? Because it was close, you know. <clears throat> Why is that weird? Because normally you go when you gotta go, you go where you gotta go, right? And we're not all like George Costanza. You can't. You don't have to find had, the good he had stall. Because he had just gotten in from an overnight train, so yeah, in order to freshen the, up. This, what if the city baths were better than the bus station baths? Yeah. See, that's the well, that's the George Costanza. It's not Costanza. actual bathing facility. <laughs> yeah, that's the Costanza. It's a, it's a public pool. They got the good. You bathroom. ain't never taken a bath in a public pool. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Man's I'm making points. <laughs> Sometimes if I, you know, if you got to pee, a public pool is not a bad spot, you know. It's a giant toilet. Not all of us are like (laughs) Ryan, you know, in his Rastafarian lifestyle where he just goes to the beach and washes his hair. Oh, my God. 
Um, no, I go to fucking Blizzard Beach at Disney. The only place I. <laughs> oh, the worst. We had the we had the passes to there, and, and we were going like you know every other weekend for a little bit. And it it's was so like, bad. I was so just bad. so worried about getting sick like all the time. You can like see chlamydia floating on the water. Ugh. Ugh. Um, so the, the inquest into the, uh, the death of the unidentified man was carried out by a, a coroner named Thomas Erskine, uh, Cleland, um, and it was a few days after the discovery of the body, um, and was, uh, wrapped up on June 17th, 1949. Hmm. Um, so Cleland, uh, he re-examined the body and made a number of discoveries. He noted that the man's shoes were remarkably clean and appeared to have been recently polished, rather than in the condition expected of a man who had apparently been wandering around uh, Glen Elgolte. Um, he also found uh, that the this sort of fit the theory that the body might have been brought to Somerton Beach after the man's death. Right. Um, it was like a dump site it, more than it was a murder site. Yeah, and also accounting for the lack of any evidence of, of poisoning, such as vomiting or convulsions. Or poison. Um, which Yeah, which are two of the... Yeah, and poison. Um, so, uh, it was speculated by Cleland that, because none of the witnesses could pos- uh, positively identify the man that they saw the previous night um, as the same person that had been discovered in the morning, uh, there remained that the possibility that the man had been had died elsewhere and been dumped on the beach. Did you mention the uh, the Taman Shud thing? We haven't we haven't gotten there yet. Okay, okay. Um, Wait, what? You'll see. Okay. Um, so, he... He says that this is all like speculation, um, because um, all the uh, all the witnesses um, were they they believe that it was definitely the same person as the body, but they couldn't really, um, you know, figure that out for sure. Right, I get I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Cedric Stanton Hicks, a professor of physiology and pharmacology, uh, not this fucking guy again. At the University of Adelaide, um, that a number of uh, drugs, uh, uh, variants, um, which he called uh, group number one and uh, number two, uh, were extremely uh, toxic in a small oral dose that would be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to identify if it had been um, if it had been used. Wait. So wait. So you're saying my man, my man got killed by like a. Like a like a exotic poison used by like the Hashishin. Is this like Dan Brown now? Is this like he well, they, can't like name the drug? Well, they didn't. the The names were not publicly released until the 1980s, mm. um, and that they were uh, quite easily uh, procurable by uh, by an ordinary individual from a chemist ah. uh, without the need to give reason for the purchase, which is probably why they didn't reveal them. Um, the drugs were identified as uh, Digitalis and and oyabane, um, which are uh, cardinalide type uh, cardiac uh, <laughs> glycosides. Did you say exoneraneous? No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean it's a blend of like, thirteen herbs. Like I understand what cardiac glycosides are, but that's not what you would use to kill somebody unless you were like really just trying to do way more work than you had to. I guess because it's also because it was easy to get at that time. Right, you could just go into your local CVS. 
I'd like some digitalis. I'd like some cardiac glycosides. Yeah. <laughs> just, ah, just no problem, this. sir. What are you using those for? I'm going to kill a man. All right, no problem. You're in Adelaide, so. <laughs> there you are. Here you go. Here's while your, while you're your at cigarettes, it, your, can I interest your you? Uh, we have a new item in here that we just recently started selling. It's uh, Phil's Tiny Knives. You can have one. Uh, we'll just bring one up with your order. Oh, is this it? It filled. It had the big knife that made a small knife. Out of very same. God damn it, let me get two. All right. Here's your digitalis. Be careful with that stuff. If you get near your if mouth, I, you'll fucking if die. Might, if I might recommend a better solution, sir, it's a gun. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the United States. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, it's Adelaide. You can't get a gun there. They had, they had guns were pretty prevalent. You got to get up that real one, close, that bro. Shooting in the 90s. Um, so early in the inquiry, uh, Cleveland stated... I would be prepared to find that he died from poison, that the poison was probably uh, a glucoside, and that it was not accidentally administered, Um, but I cannot say whether it was administered by the deceased himself or some other person. Right, which so could have just, because I mean, if if he was in good condition, his heart was normal and all that shit, then like, you know it wasn't, probably wasn't natural causes, so it's probably the next thing you go to, right? And, yeah. and he says also too because he was possibly dumped at the location he was found. Right. That um, you you there, there's there's no other ways to really help. Um, they make a plaster cast of the man's head and shoulders. Um, so it it led the authorities to sort of consider this an unparalleled mystery, um, and believe uh, that the that the cause of death might never be found out. Um, so around the time that this inquest is going on, a tiny piece of rolled up paper with the words uh, Tom on shoot uh, printed on it was found in a fob pocket sewn within the man's uh, trouser pocket. Okay, hang on a second. So what is a fob pocket? <laughs> a fob no, pocket's like, it, like where you put your watch. It's a, is, is you know it the, the little mini little mini bullshit pocket? The weed yeah. pocket. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that. Okay. And what was on what was on the paper? It, it was the words Tamam Shoot. Tamam Shoot. Uh, which, which. You guys sound uh, like you're Johnny Carson and, uh, <laughs> and fucking. And Ed McMahon. You know? Running show. And like, you you're, correct, you're like Karnak. You're doing the Karnak routine. <laughs> and the words are Tamam Shoot. All right, let me open the envelope there, Ed. Uh, wow. <laughs> what is the dead man on a beach? <laughs> All right, um, so do we know what. What um, tall man shoe means? <laughs> um, they were able to consult with public library officials uh, to translate it, and they said that the phrase meant uh, ended or finished. Um, and it's found on the last page of the uh, of the poetry collection, uh, the Rubaiyat of Omar uh, Khayyam, which is a, a Persian um, uh, poet of the fifteenth um, century, something like that. Okay, yeah. is old. Uh, actually, twelfth century or eleventh, okay. eleventh to twelfth. Um, so they f- they find this piece of paper on the body or, or in the pants, um, and that the verso side of the uh, the paper was blank. Um, and they conducted an Australia wide search to find a copy of the book that had a similarly uh, blank verso. What the fuck is a verso? A verse. The 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 opposite side of the page. They just say the back of the page. Well, that's well, what's... Uh, well, uh, are they just trying to be like... Because, are they just trying to, like, church this shit up? Just say because, the fuck back. Because, bro. Because <laughs> they're literary guys. Sorry, Adelaide. I'm a book guy. <laughs> 
And I'm it's the verso then. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they they photograph the scrap of paper. Um. And they they release it to the press. Um. To see if anyone can also find a copy of the book that's missing. You know, a section of paper that matches the the size that was found. Um. So uh, following this uh, appeal to the public, um, they found um, a copy of the book that had been uh, where the last page had been. Uh, torn from what the oh, fuck dude oh shit uh a man showed uh police a 1941 edition of edward fitzgerald's 1859 translation of uh the rubaiyat which was published by uh whitcomb and tombs in christchurch new zealand so it's from new zealand with american clothes and british cigarettes this man is he's a world traveler um, the man who the, the man who uh, presented the copy, uh, he was given the, uh, the pseudonym Ronald Francis um, because the the detective in charge of the initial investigation would protect the privacy of those that that aided by by not publicly releasing their names. Well, that's smart. Um, so Francis uh, had not considered that the book might be connected to the case um, until he had seen the article uh, from that day's paper. Um, we don't really know how, uh, under what circumstances the book was found. Um, the the uh, one newspaper article referred to the book being found about a week or two before the body was found. How would they find the book if they don't know they're looking for the book yet? Mm-hmm. Well, it's just that, like, when did the book come into your possession? Ah, uh, okay. Um, a former South Australian police detective, Gary Feltis, um... Uh, reports that the book was found uh, just after the man was found on the beach at Somerton. Hmm. Um, so the the timing is significant because it was presumed, um, based on the suitcase, that he had arrived in Adelaide the day before he was found on the beach. Um, if the book had been found one or two weeks before, it suggests that the man had been there previously or had been in Adelaide for a longer period. Okay. Um, most accounts state that the book was found in an unlocked car parked in Jetty Road, uh, Glen Egg, uh, either in, in the rear floor well or the back seat. Um, so the, the, the book of poetry itself, uh, the Rubaiyat, um, it, it mostly concerns, like, the main theme of it is how one should live their life to the fullest and have no regrets when it ends. So basically like a hedonism type thing. Uh, to to as much as you can as like a, an eleventh century uh, Persian poet. Okay. Um, so it led the police to theorize that uh, that the man had committed suicide by poison. Uh, although there's there's nothing that's really come up to corroborate that theory. Um, okay. So it, they were able to f- figure out that um, that this paper did conducively come from the the copy of the book they had. Um, and they also found that in the back of the book were faint indentations representing five lines of text in capital letters that had been written out. Okay. Um, the second of the group had been uh, struck out, um, which was considered significant because of uh, similarities to a, a fourth line um, within the, the, the series um, that is very similar but, but different. Okay. Um, so it's, it's, it's possible that this represents inscribing um, uh, some sort of code down. Uh-oh. Um, oh, here we so, go. So the first line is the code W-G-R, uh, W-R-G-O-A-B-A-B-D, 
Um, Wait, I do. This, I do this, the. I do the crypto cryptogram every morning in the newspaper. I got this. Hold on. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. This, this is how you crack the uh, the zodiac. <laughs> All right, um, I cracked it open. It's we really. Wait, we really gonna own a big ass bad dinghy? I don't know. M L I A O I, which is um, which is scratched out, and then W T B I M P A N E T P. Um, then a sort of like a star, like when you when you make like a a bunch of hatches, um, and then. M L I A B O A I A Q C and then I T T M T S A. I feel like I'm at work and you're reading me the wrong number off the computer that I asked for. I feel like I'm listening to a Russian number. I'm like, can you read me the service tag? And you're just reading me like the serial number on the bottom of the PC. You've got the PC upside down now. S T G A B O P P. Yeah, you know me. There's there's some debate as to whether um, the first letter in the the first line is an M or a W, um, but it's believed that it's a W due to the similarity to the other W in the text and and the uh, the M. Okay. Um, so there there's so a lot why of does this matter. Let me let me let me jump ahead. Why why does this matter? Because it there there is a theory that it was involved in uh, espionage. Ah, okay. Why does um, it matter? It, they got the book of the potentially the book of the piece of paper that was in this man's pocket when he died under mysterious circumstances who they can't identify and there's potentially a fucking code that they're pulled off of a piece of paper. It fucking matters. <laughs> the um, fuck are you asking it, about? <laughs> like, why does this I sp- matter? I specifically meant, like, why does the code matter? Because at this point, they're like, oh, all right, it's a John Doe. Like, you know, just kick him in a hole. Boy, you're just going to close the case? <laughs> it just got interesting, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Jesus. All right, Tom, Mom, um, shoot a bunch of letters. These guys were clearly idiots. Let's close the case. <laughs> Can't fucking spell worth a shit. <laughs> close the case. And. Clearly, autocorrect didn't help him. That's it. I think Let's he may have leaned on his pencil, you know, and just sprayed a bunch of letters down. Happens all the time. Happens all the time with just... these pencils. <sighs> um, in in 1978, uh, a journalist for the Australian Broadcasting Channel, uh, Stuart Littlemore, um, had the uh, the Department of Defense in Australia analyze the the text. Um, the cartographers reported that it would be impossible to, to really know what the uh, the code was due to not having a key. Um, and they also say that because due to the the brevity of the message or possible messages, yeah, that it was sample. unlikely to be an actual like coded message. Okay. Okay. Um, a telephone number was found in the back of the book, and it belonged to a nurse named Jessica Ellen uh, Joe Thompson. Now, this was, is good shit. Who was born in phone number? This is good shit. Who <laughs> was born in 1921, um, and she was born uh, Jesse Harkness um, in the uh, city suburb of, of Merrickville, um, uh, New South Wales. See, a phone number is something to go on, not the insane scribblings of a dead man. Um, <laughs> and, at, and at that, how time, do you know she, he scribbled it? Because it was found on him. Right? Oh my god! And she and she lived um, on. Uh, Mosley Street, uh, Glen Elk, which was about 
1,300 feet north of the location where the body was found. Uh, what's her name again? Jessica? Yeah. Suspect number what? What did she know, and when did she know it? Uh, when she was interviewed by police, uh, she said that she did not know the dead man or why he would have her phone number. Likely. And chose and, and choose to visit her suburb on the night of his death. And then she disappeared Likely. for 50 years. <laughs> Just happened to die 1,300 feet from your house, or was found, sorry, excuse me, 1,300 feet from your house with your phone number. But you don't know. Get the fuck out of here. Come on, man. Um, Come on, man. Come on, Jessica. <laughs> Uh, but it was reported by one of her neighbors that in uh, late 1948, an identified man had attempted to visit her and asked a next-door neighbor about her. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so, uh, uh, Gary Feltis, who was, uh, who was sort of wrote his book, uh, wrote a book on his work on the case, um, he said that he interviewed Thompson in 2002, um, and he found that she was being, uh, quote-unquote, evasive, or just did not wish to talk about it. I mean, it's been yeah. Fifty years. Leave her alone. Yeah. It's Fifty um, fucking years. She's so been wrong, she's in the middle of a phosphate here. <laughs> yeah, he, he believed that she knew the man's de- identity, um, and that um, and that her daughter uh, said in a 2014 interview um, that she believed her mother knew the dead man. Well, I mean, of course. Like, why the fuck? In all likelihood, she killed him. In all likelihood. Steve, let me ask you a question, though, real real quick. Why does this matter? (laughs) No, this matters. Okay, so, listen. This matters, right? Because you have hard evidence, something that you can directly track track back to one person, a phone number, back to this Jessica chick who's like, but based on your, like, evidence rules... When she said, when she said, when she said she didn't, when she said she didn't know who it was, you should just leave peacefully. (laughs) Negative, negative, negative. I am going to listen, Jessica. Look, Jessica is my number one suspect right now. That look, those scribbles, those fucking listen that look, I've seen more coherent shit by preschoolers. That's true. I'm, I don't care about the scribbles on the paper. I care about why does your or why is your phone number in his pocket? Yeah, but you said is her uh, Steve. You said her daughter said that she believed uh, she knew this guy. Yeah, that that she believed that her mother. She offer any like evidence as to that, or I think it's just one of those like like I know my mother. And I know what my mother knew. <laughs> Well, just that suspicion that, like, mom wasn't talking about it, but you got a good idea. Like, think, like, yeah, I think mom might have known that guy. I don't know. Um, so, in 1949, Jessica Thompson had requested that uh, the police not keep a permanent record of her name uh, or release her details to any third parties because Guilty she felt it would be embarrassing or harmful to her reputation to be linked to the case. Guilty as fuck. Um, so, in, um, so, in the, the media... Um, she was given the nickname uh, Just uh, Justine, um, and and named uh, Teresa Johnson uh, Powell. Hmm. Um, and, and okay, I, I don't know why they're so like extraneous names. Just be like her name's Sue. <laughs> this chick Sue. Well, her her last one is her uh, her maiden name. Oh, okay. Powell. Um. So. Uh, in in 2010, uh, all of her uh, all of her names were not released until uh, Feltis uh, wrote his book on the investigation. Huh. Um, 
But uh, Feltus still used uh, the, the pseudonyms in his book. Um, so he also stated that her family didn't know her connection to the case, um, and they agreed not to um, and they agreed not to disclose anything about her identity or anything that might reveal it during that time period. Okay. Um, so and it was considered her name might have been important because it also might have been a clue to the the cipher. Wait, what? Why? Because usually when you um, usually when you do like a code, you, you have like a letter replacement or number replacement, and you need a you need a word or something that can be used as a key, um, and a person's name can be used as a key for such a cipher. Okay, but they know her name though. Like they don't. Yeah, but it wasn't released to the public, so the public is not able to, you know, like where they have like thing where they they release like the zodiac letters, so you can try yeah. to like. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so so that thing couldn't really go on to a level uh, that it... Ah, okay, I see now what you're saying. Okay. Um, she she claimed when she was shown the uh, plaster cast that she could not identify uh, the man um, whose uh, cast it was. Huh. Um, and that uh, when she was shown it, um, it was according to uh, the, the detective, uh, Lean, um, that she seemed to be, uh, quote-unquote, completely taken aback to the point of giving the appearance that she was about to faint. Uh-huh. Um, and that one of the technicians who had worked on the cast, uh, Paul Lawson, noted that after she looked at the bus, she was, um, that she had to look away. Interesting. Interesting. That's kind of weird. Um, so, uh, Thompson said that uh, while she was working at a Royal North uh, Shore Hospital in Sydney uh, during World War II, uh, she, had a, she had owned a copy of the, uh, the Rubaiyat. Uh-oh. Um, she said in 1945 at the Clifton Gardens Hotel in Sydney, she had given it to an Australian Army lieutenant named Alf Boxel, um, who was serving at the time in the water transport section of the Royal Australian Engineers. Okay. Um, but Thompson says that after the war had ended, she had moved to Melbourne and married. Um, she said that she had received a letter from Boxel and had replied telling him that she was now married. This guy killed himself because she married somebody else. Goddamn, Boxel. Oh, God. You soft, soft, soft man. There are other fish in the sea, sir. <laughs> oh, man. What a, you killed yourself what, over a chick who wouldn't What did David California... Uh, what was it? Was it David California? The guy in the office, Steve? Yeah, Robert California. You yeah. soft penis debutante. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there is, uh, there's no real evidence as well that Boxel had any contact with Jessica Thompson after 1945. Okay. Um, so, after that, they, they begin to think that maybe Boxel was the dead man. Um, however, in July of 1949, uh, Boxel was found in Sydney, and in the final uh, page of his copy of the Rubaiyat, uh, reportedly a 1924 edition published in Sydney. Um, his copy was intact with the Tom and Shoot still in the in the copy. Yeah, well, okay. Um, also, this is a very apparently popular book that I have never even heard of until, what, 45 It's a very popular ago. collection of poetry. And yeah. I've never even heard of it. Okay. It's like kind of... Um, I, I believe he was a Sufi. I think he was actually... He was, a, he was like a mystic. 
I don't know. It was it was really popular amongst like Some, literary types for a long time. Uh, Boxel still alive, working at the uh, the maintenance section of the Randwick bus depot, um, where he had worked before the war, um, and was unaware of any link between the dead man and himself. Um, in the fr- in the front of the copy of the Rubaiyat uh, that was given to Boxel, uh, Jessica Harkness had signed herself. Uh, G.E. Uh, uh, Steen and written out verse 70. Uh, indeed, indeed, repentance off before. I swore, but was I sober when I swore? And then and then came spring and rose in hand, my threadbare penance, um, a pieces tore. Means nothing to me, but okay. I'm also not a, a, <laughs> a, one of them uh, refined poetry understanders. The last poetry I read was uh, Where the Sidewalk Ends. It's a good poem. And uh, also A Light in the Attic. It's good. Those are good. That's the extent of my poetry understanding and, and uh, being able to, uh, you know, understand and I don't know what the word would be like to like pick apart and like find meaning in it. I, I, yeah. I can't do it with poetry. You just have to. You if you're not inclined like to it, then you're just not going to put the time in. That's all it is. I mean, it's not like it's difficult. You know what I mean? Like for some yeah. some of them, it is difficult. Like some of the like longer like prose works and stuff like. Um, like T.S. Eliot, like the wasteland and shit. Uh, it's like it's like difficult for the sake of being difficult. <laughs> like, he, yeah. like he wrote yeah. it just yeah, to yeah. be like, yeah, this is real hard to fucking read. And if you start, <laughs> you're going to need some help. You know, you're going to need yeah. to take a whole yeah. college course on reading this. <laughs> Which I teach. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, uh, God damn it, bro. Um, a, an editorial um, had called the case um, one of Australia's most profound mysteries. Um, and noted that he had died of a, a poison so rare and obscure it could not be identified by toxicology experts. Um, that uh, that that this fact sort of pointed to being um, something uh, bigger than just a mere um, domestic poisoning. Right. Okay. Um, so there has been speculation that he was a spy, because um, there are at least two sites close to Adelaide that were of interest to spies. Uh, there's a uranium mine at Radium Hill um, and the the Woomera uh, test range, which was an Anglo-Australian uh, military research facility. Um, the the man also died around the same time that Australia's security agencies uh, were reorganized. Um, and the following year, the Australian Security uh, Intelligence Organization would be founded. Um so after that happens, there's a there's a crackdown on uh, Soviet espionage, um, espionage in Australia, um, and it was revealed that there were um, that that there had been Soviet communications there um, under what was called the Venona Project, which was like a big um, sort of reveal of um, Soviet uh, intelligence gathering. That was yeah, that was a counterintelligence thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Um, another theory that also goes back to Boxel is that he was allegedly involved in intelligence work during and immediately after World War II. Boxel! Uh-oh. Um, so, in a 1978 television interview, um, Stephen Littlemore asks, uh, Mr. Boxel, you had been working, hadn't you, in an intelligence unit before you met this young woman, uh, Jessica Harkness. Uh, did you talk to her about that at all? Um, and his reply, he just said no. And when asked if Harkness could have been, uh, could have known, uh, Boxel replies, unless somebody else told her. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Okay. Mm. 
Um, and when asked about it being related to intelligence, uh, Boxel replied, "It's quite, it's quite a melodramatic thesis, isn't it?" Yeah, very much so. Um, and and Boxel's uh, Army service records suggest that while he initially served in the Fourth Water uh, Transport Company, uh, he was then seconded to the North Australia Observer Unit, um, a special operations unit that during uh, that during his time uh, with that agency. Uh, Boxel rose rapidly in rank, being promoted from Lance Corporal to Lieutenant within three months. That's pretty quick. Wow. Wow. Must have been shining some, <laughs> shining some big shoes. Jesus um, Christ, yeah. In, in 1949, uh, the, the body was buried in, um, in Adelaide's West Terrace Cemetery, uh, where the Salvation Army conducted the service. Okay. Um, the, the South Australian uh, Grandstand Bookmakers Association paid for his funeral, um, so that he wouldn't be buried in a, in a pauper's uh, grave. Right. Which is just a field um, of bodies in one hole. Yeah. In the hole he goes. <laughs> Into the hole, <laughs> along with Phil and his tiny knife idea, which he was killed over. <laughs> <laughs> right out of dead, sir. So cover him in these uh, these. I can. Knives. I only have... We can throw the tiny <laughs> knives in, but I can't dig anymore because we only have tiny shovels. <laughs> Hold on, then. Is that Phil, the one who makes the little noise off the big noise? <laughs> hey, Phil, you son of a bitch! <laughs> who killed you? Oliver, Oliver, why'd you, why'd you whittle down our shovels? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, just, years after just the Australian band was buried, um, oh my God. flowers began appearing on the, the grave. Um, the police questioned a woman that was seen leaving the cemetery, um, but she claimed that she knew uh, nothing of the man. So why is she putting flowers on his grave then, huh? I think some um, people do that shit just, you know, they have no connection at all. It's just like one of those things. Like the, Yeah, but you just pick a random grave. Well, no, it's not. It couldn't. It may not have guy. been random. You know, like she, that's what I'm saying. Like she might, some people just have like a surplus of empathy. I mean, you work in healthcare. You've definitely met at least one social worker, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they yeah, just had, they just care too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I know exactly who. Like, I, I, I'm picturing the person that you. I know a few. Like, fucking, I know you're so fucking annoying, but I love the work you yeah. do. Yeah. God, I wish you were less annoying about it. <laughs> oh, you man. do amazing work, but fuck, it's annoying because <laughs> it makes me realize how much of a piece of shit that I am. Yeah, you start judging yourself. <laughs> like, maybe I should care more. I should. I should go to the soup kitchen. Fuck. <laughs> um. So. Around the same time that this is like people are putting flowers on the graves, um, a receptionist named Ina Harvey um, from the the Strathmore Hotel opposite the Adelaide uh, railway station uh, revealed that a that a man she said was strange had stayed in uh, room twenty one or twenty three for a few days before the time of the death, checking out on November thirtieth, nineteen forty eight. Mm. She recalled that he was English speaking and only carrying a small black case, not like one. A musician or a doctor might carry. Wait, didn't um, he have a brown suitcase? What they found at the train station or whatever, the bus depot? Wasn't it yeah. brown? Yeah, yeah. So he had a brown uh, suitcase. Which she said he had a black case. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, but if he had checked it at the railway station, he might not have. Uh, he, he might not have brought it with him to the hotel. So he has multiple cases. Possibly. Okay. Um, when an employee looked inside the case. Uh, he told Harvey uh, he had found an object that he described as a, a needle. 
and on, on November 22nd of 1959, um, uh, an inmate in New Zealand's uh, Wahana Ganui uh, prison had claimed that he knew the identity of the man um, named, uh, and the man, uh, the inmate, uh, E.B. Collins, uh, but that never uh, panned out. Um, so there's been a number of um, there's been a number of attempts over the years, obviously, uh, to sort of find out um, find out like who um, who the person was, um, but they still haven't been able to really crack the codes. Um, in 2004, uh, Feltis uh, suggested in a Sunday Mail article um, that the final line uh, was. Uh, was actually initials of it's time to move to South Australia, Mosley street. Um, because Jessica Thompson had lived in, in Mosley street, which is the main road, uh, through Glen Oak. So if you do that though, it's time to move to South Australia, Mosby street. You're still missing T G A B at the end. If I'm guessing it, it's going to be, it's time to move to South Australia Mosley Street, TGAB, to get a bitch. He's trying to go hook up with Jessica Thompson on Mosley Street. Uh, that trifling bitch knows who it is. Uh, he, just, he just showed up, you know, with his heart on his sleeve. and then, <laughs> Baby, another, I'm another, head over heels for you. And I'll another, give up everything. He's at the stereo. I've sold all another, my investments. I sold my entire stake in Phil's another, Tiny Knife Company. Another another homie lost to the friend zone. Oh, no. Pour one out. <laughs> That's what these women do. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the straw man um, brought down in the prime of his life. <laughs> another uh, rest in power, King. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, a, 20, <laughs> a 2014 analysis done by a computational linguist named John Railing uh, suggests that the um, that that theory is probably correct and that they probably are some sort of uh, to get initials. A bitch? To get a bitch is correct? Yes, Ryan. Okay. Crack the case. Um, and that, but he can't figure out what it is. That it doesn't, it doesn't match up with any sort of like known phrases or, or popular phrases that you could use um, to sort of guess what it was. Hmm. Well, now. Yeah, it's not like just like it's LOL. Because. <laughs> they weren't doing like shorthand like that back then. Uh, <laughs> um, the uh, in 1994, uh, John Harbour Phillips, the Chief Justice of Victoria and Chairman of the Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine, uh, went over the case, and he he also concluded that it had been the work of uh, of Digitalis, which what, is that like, that family of poisons. Yeah, so he had like what like Digitalis toxicity. Yeah. Okay. Um, he pointed this out by saying the organs were engorged, uh, consistent with uh, being under the effects of the poison, um, and the lack of evidence of any natural disease and the absence of anything seen uh, macroscopically that could account for the death. Okay. Um, a, a South Australian uh, chief superintendent, Led Brown, who had worked on the case in the 40s, uh, believed that the man was from a Warsaw Pact country, uh, which led to the police's inability to confirm the man's identity. Oh, okay, so they weren't like you just couldn't get the data out of those countries, basically. Well, yeah, because they were they were sort of the communist version of NATO, right? 
Right. Um, Goddamn commies. The um, the South Australian Police Historical Society, which has the plaster bust, do have in their possession uh, strands of the man's hair from the cast, um, but they haven't been able to identify uh, any DNA evidence that they have uh, due to uh, formaldehyde destroying uh, much of the man's DNA. Yep, it'll do that. Um, all the other key evidence uh, uh, is no longer um, is no longer available. Um, most likely destro- uh, because it was destroyed in 1986. Yeah, yeah, that's how the uh, Mets won the World Series. They um, in '86 <laughs> they burned all the evidence of this man's death, and you know they they burned <laughs> they burned that along with all of uh, Keith Hernandez's uh, uh, cocaine paraphernalia. Exactly, and so he was able to focus <laughs> because he had the power of a dead man's spirit, and he wasn't doing drugs. Yeah. yeah. Solved. <laughs> Solved. It's like Reddit. Cancer. Done. You, you didn't. You didn't need. Uh, what's his name from uh, Unsolved Mysteries? Robert Stack. You need Robert Stack for if this. If you one. know anything about Tom um, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do a reenactment, but it's like a very '90s like reenactment, like yeah. all the reenactments were. Oh my god. Oh, they were great. They were great. Digitalis, um, an exotic poison found at your local chemist. <laughs> Who may something, have been poisoned and left on a beach in 1948. Something, something so deadly, but easily available. <laughs> um, in 2009, the University of Adelaide um, attempted to uh, solve the case um, by exhuming the body and testing it for DNA. Um, and and so they, um, when they had uh, they had gone through some of the other details. Um, the professor who was heading it, Professor Derek Abbott, um, he was also able to track down the barber waxed uh, cotton of the period and found packaging variations, uh, which would also give clues to what uh, country it was purchased in. Mm, that's interesting. Interesting. Um, and I want that the, job. What's he get paid? Not enough. Yeah. Um, so they've tried to uh, crack the code by comparing it to other books. Um, so it. The format of the code, it, it appears to follow the quatrain um, format of the Rubaiyat. Um, so that also supports the theory that it was uh, like a one-time uh, pad encryption. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, which is a type of code that you can only use once. Yeah. Um, like, like one of the main reasons why uh, the Nazis were able to crack uh, the Soviet Union's um, uh, codes at the beginning of the war was because the... Um, the, the intelligence people had gotten lazy and were reusing um, one-time paths. Which, if you do, can be traced just due to, like, character repetition and shit like that, so... Yeah. It, it makes it easier to crack. Yeah. Um, so, it, it was checked against copies of the Rubaiyat um, from different printings as well, and as well as the, the Talmud and the Bible. Um, and But there was no... Um, there was no sort of similarities found, and it's kind of hard to do because of the uh, the short length of the passages. Right, again. It's just like, <laughs> you give me like six words, and it's all random, like Ryan said, it's like, that's not enough. That's not um, anything, yeah. They, they're also not entirely sure about things as well, because the, the original copy that was, that was from the case uh, was lost in the 1950s. Motherfucker. God damn it. Um, it was also found that the autopsy reports from 1948 and 1949 are now missing um, 
and that um, the Barsmith Library, which holds uh, Cleland's notes on the case, do not contain anything um, from the autopsy. So it's like, I mean, I know they got rid of some of the evidence, but it sounds like they got rid. Of, it sounds like they got rid of everything. Like maybe they're just done with yeah. it. Maybe well, like you know, I'm sure. I'm the sure they kind of persists with the hair. I, I'm sure they just, you know, did what they do with like rape kits and stuff, where they just. You like, mean, nothing, you mean in New York? Nothing. Where they just fucking yeah. nothing. They threw them away. I think they. You mean, I think them? they do. You like, mean in they every make, like, police department? <laughs> you know, like you're a kid and you used to make like card houses. You know, like card castles. You just build them with playing cards. And then your big brother comes along and he's like, yeah, that's what they do with rape kits in New York City. <laughs> they're, they're just like, we'll get right on yeah. it. And they're just like, yeah, yeet. And they just like toss Throw it in into the room. a giant bin of. Yeah. They're like, whatever. We'll get to so it. So fucked. Um, uh, Masiej, uh, Henneberg, a um, professor of anatomy at the University of Adelaide. Yeah. Um, while looking over the Somerton man's ears, found that he had, um, he had a, a Simba, which is an upper ear hollow. Um, that was larger than his uh, lower ear hollow, his uh, his cavum, which he says is a feature that's only possessed by one to two percent of of Caucasian people in the world. Huh. Okay. Um, he also uh, uh, Abbott also uh, the the professor mentioned previously also consulted dental experts who concluded that the Somerton man had um, hypodontia, which is a rare genetic disorder of both lateral incisors. Which is another uh, feature that's only present in two percent of the general population. It basically looks like baby teeth. That's what I can describe hypodontia to. It's it's like fucking baby teeth of having somebody has baby. Well, teeth. That's why she didn't want anything to do with them, you know. Um, <laughs> in in June of 2010, Abbott uh, obtained a photograph of Jessica Thompson's um, oldest son, uh, Robin, uh, which showed that he did not have the same features as um, the deceased man. Um, so they could rule out that they had some sort of, you know, um, sexy affair. sex time. Yeah. Uh, the the chance of um, the chance that this was a coincidence has been estimated to be between uh, ten million, uh, ten million, and one in uh, twenty million. Wow. So she definitely banged this guy. <laughs> Is what you're saying? So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> So yeah, because he had because he had the same uh, features. That's very likely that he was, you know, the father. Huh. Um. Wait, 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 wait. So he had the same features. So yeah, he had those same those same rare features. I think I misspoke and said that he didn't, but he did. I was going to say you um, did say he didn't. Yeah. But he had he had those same exact rare features that only. One to two percent of the population has, which would have to be passed um, over genetically, so it's likely. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you see so, what we're doing here. Yeah. So it's been suggested that because um, Robin was 16 months old in 1948 and died in 2009, uh, may have been a child of uh, the the Somerton man and, and passed off as uh, Prosper Thompson, her her then um, soon husband's uh, son. Okay. Um, DNA uh, evidence would confirm this, um, but um, but any DNA um, that they would find uh, because of the process used to not preserve the body uh, would not really uh, would would not really uh, give give much. 
so why can't they use DNA from the hair on the on the on the plaster uh, cast that they said they had? Because it was it was too damaged from um, the the embalming. Okay. Um, and in 2013, Abbott released an artistic um, impression of the Somerton Man, um, believing that it might finally help finding out who he is. Right. Because yes, he says that. all that we've seen published is the autopsy photo, and it's hard to tell what something looks like from that. Yeah, you got to do like the like America's Most Wanted used to do, and they would have like those. Uh, Here's an advanced like, sketch. Police. Yeah, yeah, and they would always be terrifying looking. Yep. But you're like, yeah, sure. I, I guess I've like, seen that like, monster. Six or seven people look like that. Yeah. <laughs> in in 2017. Um, Abbott believes he had found excellent enough hairs um, at the right uh, stage for extracting DNA in the plaster cast, um, and he submitted it for analysis. Um, but the uh, the the results uh, uh, didn't really yield the the identity of it. Um, they found that the Somerton man um, belonged to uh, Haplo group H four A one A one A, which is possessed by only one percent of Europeans. Mm. Okay. Um, so, but because mitochondrial DNA is only inherited uh, from the maternal line, um, you cannot uh, use it to investigate a hereditary link uh, between um, a, a father and a son. Oh, okay. I didn't realize they only had mitochondrial DNA. That sucks. Ah. So we can tell you who your mom is. Can't tell you who your dad is through that, though. Yep trying to find the, the guy <laughs> trying to figure out who the guy is dead on the beach but we can tell you who your mom is though um so in 2013 uh relatives of of jessica's gave interviews uh to uh channel nine um on the current affairs program 60 minutes um Ooh. kate thompson the the daughter of jessica and prosper thompson um said that her mother was the woman who was interviewed by police um and that her mother had told her that she had lied to them, um, <clears throat> that she did know the identity of the Somerton man, and his identity was also uh, known to a level higher uh, than the police force. Uh-oh. Um, so uh, Thompson's, uh, her father, uh, uh, Prosper uh, Thompson, had died in 1995, um, and her mother had died in 2007. Um, and she suggested that her mother and the Somerton man may have been spies noting that Jessica Thompson taught English to migrants, uh, was interested in communism, and could speak Russian, um, although she would not disclose to her daughter uh, where she learned that and why. If it is World War II and you are in any other country besides Russia and you can speak Russian, eyebrows should be raised. That's all I'm saying. Like, what the fuck is going on? In the middle of World War II, or in the Cold War, if you will. Now, nowadays, not. doesn't matter. But back then... If someone just starts busting out with 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 like Russian busting, like busting, rolling, busting, getting like their, their Cyrillic R's and shit like that, like yeah, no, there's there's a problem. <laughs> um, so uh, Robin uh, Robin's widow uh, Roma Egan, um, she also appeared in sixty minutes, suggesting that the Somerton man uh, was Robin's father, um, and which would make him uh, Rachel's grandfather, um, but. Um, that they were unable to get um, to get an application um, to have the body exhumed and the DNA tested uh, because members of the Thompson family opposed it, uh, specifically Kate, 
um, because she believed it was disrespectful to her brother. And also, the DNA's probably been destroyed, I thought. No, this is on her brother who died in... Uh, who died uh, in 2000... Uh, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay. Who, who had died fairly recently, and, and it's also, you know, in the 2000s, so they're probably not just hosing him down in formaldehyde. Robin Thompson? That, that brother? Yeah, Robin Thompson. That's like it says. There's like a timeline on Wikipedia. It says 2009 he died. So yeah, he had just been, um, he had just recently died, so you probably could get good DNA off of him. Oh, so this is like still like a recent thing. Dude, huh? wait till you hear what he says. I don't know if he's going to get to it or not, but it's right here. Like, they just exhumed his body. Really? In May. What? What the fuck's going on, dude? <laughs> so they should know who he is by now. It's fucking December. Well, COVID, you know. Well, it also, it also takes up to a year to do, like, a good, like, DNA analysis, I think. Oh, really? Um, so, in October of 2011, um, more interest in the case had built up, and the Attorney General, uh, John Rao, refused to exhume the body, um, and he says there needs to be a, a public interest reasons that go well beyond uh, public curiosity or broad scientific interest um, in order to, you know, just dig up this man's body. What a bunch of hokey shit, dude. Stick right. the fucker up. But in okay, he's dead. He's not going to care. Yeah. Um, but in October of 2019, uh, the Attorney General uh, Vicky Chapman um, she granted approval for his body to be exhumed and to extract the DNA. Ah, okay. Um, the parties that were interested uh, agreed to pay for the costs, um, and a potential granddaughter's DNA is planned uh, to be compared to the unknown man's to see if it's a match. Um, the uh, the exhumation was carried out on uh, May nineteenth, twenty twenty one. Oh, okay. Um, the the remains were were deeper in the ground than they had uh, previously thought, um, and it was uh, exhumed as part of a, a program that's going on in Australia called Operation Preserve and Operation Persist, which are about identifying uh, historical um, unidentified remains in South Australia. Yeah, but the problem is, even if they exhume him and they get his DNA and they can say, oh, you know, these are your relatives, that still doesn't tell them who the fuck this guy is. I mean, it might help them deduce it. How? Uh, if they can compare it to public databases, because, you know, there's a lot of people taking DNA tests now, and uh, one way that you end up identifying people, uh, have I'm, you know, our biggest fan, my brother, he's like really into this shit. And uh, well, you need to tell him uh, to explain to you how finding out who this man is related to is going to help us find out what his name bec is. Because it can help he's you. He's going to be quote unquote related to. Don't even know who he is because their mom, who potentially banged this motherfucker in the forties, won't say anything. It took that all right. So the the gist of it's like this: if I don't know who you are and I get your DNA, and I can find out that someone who's alive, right, is your son. Uh -huh. then I can try to figure out who that person's mother is, who she was in a relationship with. I can also analyze your DNA to see who you might be related to in other countries and how far removed you are from them. And the closer I get to you, the easier it is for me to narrow down my research to a particular family group. I guess the thing group. is that it's... It's been so long with most of the people. You may who not be able, able to, to prove those it. Questions are dead. Yeah, you may not be able to prove it 100%, but if you have access to familial DNA, you can start like kind of narrowing it down. 
basically. Okay. That's the gist of it. Okay. And that's what happens a lot. You know, people get the DNA done and they're like, wait a minute, I'm not related to this person. And then you go out and find out that, like, your dad's not your, your dad. Your dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, your dad's actually a Latvian, like, mystic. You know, it's like, oh. Your mom fucked the mailman. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And they, like, trace it backwards yeah. and that, that's how they figure it out. I uh, I kind of have a problem with swabbing my like my cheeks and stuff and sending it to like ancestry. Yeah, the Mormons have all my shit. They're uh, well, well, just because they're okay with like giving your like stuff to the cops, which only I, I under know, the if you re- to me for that. If they came out and reported that essentially they're not they're not doing that unless there's like a, a legal request put through, and it's got to be a legitimate one. Like they're not just handing shit over. But the only thing that I've done like that is the um, is the uh, I can't even think what the name of it is now. The be a match. So I'm on the bone marrow transplant list. If anybody ever is uh, needs a bone marrow transplant, I'm on that list. Bone marrow. Yeah, like my DNA is on the list for that. If someone's ever a match, basically be the match is a nonprofit that will fly you out to wherever you need to be for the surgery. They'll pay for the surgery and then they fly you back and they pay for your time missed out of work, et cetera, et cetera. It's usually about two weeks that it takes from surgery to recovery, but you're giving bone marrow to somebody that uh, apparently, you know, for whatever reason, they need the stem cells from it uh, to help them get better. Yeah. I wanted to donate bone marrow one time, and I was like, and then someone told me not to because it's incredibly painful. Yes, it is. But they put you under. Like, you go to sleep, so it's not like... <laughs> no, I, I mean, you might wake Unless up you're a man and you like, ask him to do it hot. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just go ahead and tap, tap I'm not me, a man. I'll be like, I need you to put yeah. me under six layers. Drill of me in. In fact, I want you to use Canadian maple <laughs> drilling equipment, like maple syrup <laughs> equipment to get this shit out of me. I want you to take pictures of it. You know what they use trepanning for? Yeah, I want you to trepan the shit out of my bones. Like ancient Egyptians, you know, we're just going to go in there with (laughs) with an awl that's made out of, you know, like an alligator bone. That's why the Tam and Shu guy's DNA was was damaged. It wasn't the... It wasn't the embalming. It was because they used Canadian maple syrup drilling equipment to trepan his DNA. (laughs) Well, you know, after the war, that was was the only import they got in of the drilling equipment. (laughs) That's it. And they they just had all that formaldehyde. They're just like, let's slop them up, boys. Uh, Slop them up. So we haven't heard anything since May, though. Since they they dug him up and took his DNA, we haven't heard anything, right? So there hasn't been anything, I do not believe, since May. Okay. So we need to revisit this then when they inevitably come out and they're like, we ain't found shit. We need to make another episode. Somebody, this, the Wikipedia article says that there's a BBC radio adaptation of The Shadow Over Innsmouth, which is a notorious Lovecraft story. And uh, it, it like uses the case as a minor point, identifying that the man has the Innsmouth look, which means he looks like a fish oh. man. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's great. Oh but God. we might be alive long enough to find out who this man is. Apparently. Maybe. We should be. I would hope what so. What if it's like... What if he's related to Ted Cruz, right? Oh. <laughs> I'd be fucking... Uh, I, mean, his, I would die laughing. His his real name was like Rafael... Uh, <laughs> Ortega. <laughs> yeah. De La Cruz. Raf, Rafael Ortega Cruz. <laughs> Ted, if you shave, if Ted Cruz shaves, he looks like the blobfish, <sighs> and you know the fish I'm talking. Oh uh, yeah, you know what the fuck he's the you worst. Know, I don't even have to, yeah. All right. So that's the the tall man shoe. Yep. Yeah, that's the tall man shoe case. And if we get any updates on the case, 
we'll do a short, a quick episode of it. A little quick snippet. Yeah. Well, we'll have to play that like news, like next stop. Oh, I thought you were doing the. I thought you doing the Metal Gear Solid. I thought you. No. No. Then we then we close the podcast out by playing Ted Turner's End of the World video. I mean, yeah, yeah. All right, and with that, later. We're out. I gotta pay. Bye.